everybody and welcome back to the That Time When podcast. My name is Matt Gallagher and joining me once again through the power of the internet are two of my favourite people in England. In lockdown. In lockdown. In lockdown, fair enough. That's actually more complimentary than just England, so... uh, very, very modest. It's of course Tom Bellingham and Dan Thorne. Tom, Dan, how how are you both from the comfort of your own homes? Fine, yeah, thanks. Good. We're going to have a lot of um, maybe talking over each other uh, in this episode. I'm not sure, but we're, we're just kind of getting used to the fact that we're not in our own companies, right? You know, we, we usually look at each other deep into the eyes, and we know exactly when the other person's going to talk. This one, a little bit more difficult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about that time when the Korean GP finished in the dark. So with no Formula One in the foreseeable future, we thought we'd talk about a race that's just just a little bit exciting, isn't it? The fact that you know it went on for quite a huge amount of time. The fact you know the Korean GP didn't have floodlights, did it, lads? No, it wasn't no. a night race. It wasn't a night race, but it almost turned out that way. Shall we start right at the beginning then? Twenty ten, the season that we had five people fighting for the title with three races to go. Yep. Uh, yeah, so Korea was was the third race from the end of the season that year. And uh, yeah, as, as I'm sure everyone knows, it was a bit of a uh, bit of a crazy season. We had uh, Mark Webber, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton and Jensen Button all still in title contention, like genuine title contention. They're only separated by 31 points. Jesus. That is absolutely ridiculous, isn't we, it? We did a, a podcast on the Abu Dhabi 2010 finale, so we went into a little bit there, if you've heard that one before. But um, I, I seem to remember the stat of the top three in the title were always separated by under a race win. So it just went on throughout the whole season, this crazy multiple driver battle, and it was never, never a single driver that led it the whole way, was it? No, no. Absolute mouth-watering prospect, isn't it, to have that for uh, a season? Well, to be fair, just having any racing would be nice, but obviously a season as close as this one, where five drivers legitimately had you know points within the season where they were the strongest. Right? There was always times when you thought, okay, well, Jensen Button is now having a pretty a few good races or pulling out a, a worldie here and there. But then you got Weber obviously leading the championship. It was just a matter of just to and froing everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It seems like drivers could only have like two or three good races before them and have an absolute shocker and that sort of kept it kept it close throughout. Um yeah, and it was it was so close that they before at the Korean GP weekend, Bernie Eccleston sort of arranged for them to recreate a fam- the famous photo of nineteen eighty six when there was a similarly close season and they had Prost, Senna, Mansell and PK and like all oh, took a picture of them all joking around together and they did the same this year with the five of them. So that was quite a nice little touch. Oh, nice. Okay, so one more than uh, that that season. You said I think you labelled four there. Unless I yeah, was yeah, 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 yeah. It's one more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So maybe uh, maybe in a few years' time we'll get six going into the the last three races. That's just uh, me having a bit of wishful thinking. So let's talk about the Korean Grand Prix itself. Obviously, does not exist on the calendar anymore. Was it? Was the circuit called like Yongam or something? That's the one. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. absolutely smashed it. Called me the F1 Wikipedia. Uh, so it was a new race on the calendar for that year. And uh, the layout, well, to be fair, obviously I've never been there, but in terms of on the F1 game, it was quite a quite a difficult track. Like It wasn't particularly flowing. That's what I found anyway on the game. I don't know if everyone found that when watching as well. It wasn't the most exciting race, but yeah. it had a very long straight. It was quite a clumsy track from what I remember as well. It was one of those 
one of those classic tilt drones where the first i guess tilt drone 101 really where the first sector is just a massive long straight a hairpin massive long straight a hairpin massive long straight and a hairpin then sort of was it high speed the middle like a few twisty bits and yeah, then yeah and then yeah so like three three separate sectors all with different characteristics if you like yeah. yeah, the last sector was very much sort of single file, wasn't it, as well, from what I remember. Like, obviously, the first sector was promoting overtaking with the massive long straight, then the hairpin, then another kind of medium length straight. And then I think after that, pretty much, it was just single file until the first sector again. Yeah, yeah, it was a weird one. Um, it was it was almost a little bit like Abu Dhabi in terms of, if you think of the layout, it was a little bit like that, where it was lots of different track types in one and it didn't really know what it wanted to be. Um, the walls were quite close <laughs> in the final sector and yeah it was a bit strange but yeah like you I thought like it wasn't that memorable and it wasn't that flowing but I looked up some of the comments from the drivers at the time and they all seemed to really enjoy it um, they sort of liked the the high speed stuff in the second sector they said the third sector was really challenging um, and Mark Webber who's someone who's not going to you know mince his words if he doesn't like something said he'd be picking it or clutching at straws if he was trying to criticize it so Wow! Very odd. I uh, I watched back um, some highlights clips of the race, and I was absolutely gobsmacked at the final corner that there was no runoff there. That it's just yeah. a proper IndyCar style concrete wall on both sides, and I I can't believe that was only 2010, so only 10 years ago. That it looks like something that would be in the 70s where. Yeah. there's no runoff and you definitely wouldn't be allowed to do that now you'd have to extend the barrier back and have a big runoff area yeah interesting yeah yeah it's very yeah, go on, the um i think the, the main bit that people didn't like was the pit lane um yeah they sort of they didn't really know how to fit it in with the layout um so the first corner the pit exit came out sort of right into the racing line of the first corner which obviously isn't ideal um and then was it racing line of the second corner? Uh, that's where they that's where they, they changed it, to, it, didn't they? Yeah, they changed it after yeah. the first year. Um, and then the pit- oh yeah, that's right. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I remember the, on the F one game, it just spitting you out straight into the yeah, apex of turn yeah. one. I mean, when they fixed it, it wasn't much better. But the first year was really bad. Like, why was it even there in the first place? Sort of thing. Um, but then the uh, the pit entry was probably the worst one because, like you say, the the final corner was was like a really good corner. Like, I think if it had had a few more years on the calendar it might have gone down as a little bit of a classic. Um, but it was, like you say, high-speed right-hander, completely blind walls either side. And then the pit entry, you sort of had to slow down on the racing line and keep going to the right um, to get into the pits, which obviously isn't ideal if someone's right behind you and then the car in front just slams on the brakes. Yeah, you could have a monumental crash. I remember it reminds me a little bit of uh, attack mode in Formula E where people ease off to try and go onto their attack mode and there's been some tracks where you feel like there's going to be an absolute nightmare crash because someone's slowing down on the racing line. Uh, And it is that same kind of thing where drivers were proper worried that they were going to be on a hot lap. Someone's coming in on their in-lap cruising really slowly. And I guess you saw what happened at Valencia earlier in the season, what happens when there's a differing speed with Mark Webber flipping up (laughs) backwards. So pretty scary. Yeah, I found that 
in the F1 game as well when we used to race around there in league races and stuff was that I know they didn't do it in real Formula One but people used to absolutely take the mick coming into that pit lane because there was a bit of grass on the left and people used to literally just straight line it and go straight into the pits rather than just follow the concrete round it was that was a, a bit of controversy back when <laughs> I used to back when I used to league race but um, it had big plans for the future as well Korean Grand Prix is that right when it was first launched yeah yeah I mean it was gonna it was fairly sort of barren the first year and all the years to be honest but it was going to be this big city there was going to be like a resort in the middle with restaurants and like attractions and there was going to be a marina in the final corner and it was going to be this huge like coastal resort with a racetrack on it which was supposed to be finished by 2021 so maybe there's a hope they'll finish it all within the next year and we can go back there (laughs) would you both like to see us go back there well well i think we'll come on to that at the end maybe Oh, okay, nice. Right, so the build-up to the actual race itself then. So you had Hamilton, Weber and Kubica, top of the practice sessions, although, you know, we can never take too much from practice, but maybe back then a slightly more, would you say? No, no, because um, the track was only just finished in time. The the FIA only gave it approval 11 days before practice um, and the track was really slippery. So I think the the track was probably still dirty by the end of FP3, so... I remember um, it being that way, that it was just just looking at it visually, it was absolutely horrendous to look at. You had cranes in the background and there was a lot of, they hadn't really sorted a lot of the dust and dirt on the side of the track yet with the runoff. So there was a lot of problems where people were kicking up dirt if they ran yeah. slightly wide onto the track and stuff. It looked so, so that made qualifying quite interesting as well then. Um so you had Vettel on pole position ahead of his three title protagonists of Weber, Alonso and then Hamilton and Jensen Button only down in seventh. So did, did Button have any particular issues in qualifying or just one of his mediocre days? Yeah, I think this was kind of towards this end of the season. Button was, he hadn't had any particularly great results for a while and I think he was falling back a bit in the fight. Um, was this the same year as when he won at Spa that time? No, no. It's the, this is his first no. McLaren year. That was 2011. Okay. Um Okay, so he's uh, slow, slowly tailing off uh, at this stage, whereas the four guys right at the front, it was a very uh, tasty prospect, wasn't it, going into race day, where it was raining all day. All day. A lot of rain. A lot of rain. Many rains. And uh, drivers, in fact, were, because obviously when they come out the pits, they do they do a lap, maybe even two sometimes if they go through the pit lane to, to sort of feel their way, you know, get the, the car up and running and make sure everything's working properly and, and kind of get an idea of, of what the track's like as well. And uh, drivers were running off the track on their way to the grid. Yeah, yeah. Massa, Senna and Glock all, all had little excursions on their way to the grid. Um, it didn't crash out, thankfully, but, but yeah, it just showed how slippery it was when they weren't even trying sort of thing, yeah. Glock having problems in the rain. I've never heard of that before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the start was delayed by 10 minutes. Uh, That was just purely down to the weather conditions, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. They were sort of waiting to see if it would ease up a little bit. And then, yeah. It's hoping the classic Formula One thing of, it's absolutely chucking it down with rain. Let's just wait in case it miraculously stops (laughs) and the sun comes out, dries the track immediately and we can go racing. And then it just... And then it just gets worse because it's still raining and no one's on the track to clear the water. Yup. <laughs> so what they decided to do was three laps behind the safety car uh, and then in, they indeed did red flag it afterwards, even after the delay and no miracle sun. And I guess, yeah, the, the safety car period was just to, to see whether or not the weather conditions were 
drivable, raceable. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we we always get that sort of half and half where the sort of front part of the grid are always like, nah, 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 it's far too wet. Absolutely not. Could never race in this. And then the guys at the back are like, let's race. Let's do it. You know, let's get stuck in. Yeah, the ones with nothing to lose don't care. And the ones with everything to lose like, oh no, this is terrible. Um, I think Alonso said it's the worst conditions he'd ever driven a car in on yeah, Team Radio. Yeah, that's the, that's the Team Radio I remember where he does the like, these are the worst conditions I ever drive a car. I just I can hear that in my head for some reason of him saying it, and I actually listened listened to it back. And another thing he says after that radio message is, "Where is Weber?" And Weber was obviously the uh, the car in front of him, so it was that treacherous that even behind the safety car, Alonso couldn't see the driver in front of him. <laughs> wow! Or it he's was just playing bad. his mind games. You never know with Alonso, do you? Yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> Did he have the championship uh, lead at that point? No, it was it was Weber. Okay. It was twelve points in front, I think. Okay. Fourteen points in front, and then it was Alonso and Vettel, joint second. Nice. We're going to take a brief intermission from this that time when podcast. Have a quick chat about our sponsor for this episode, Babbel. In these testing times of not being able to travel pretty much anywhere, I think it's fair to say that people have more time on their hands than usual. Well, especially me. One of the things that Babbel can help you with is learning a language. Now, I mentioned in the WTF1 podcast, I think last week or the week before, that I learnt French and German in secondary school and has pretty much forgotten all of it, apart from we and ya. But with Babbel, you can relearn that language in a matter of weeks. The app itself has a clear and simple interface guiding you through your learning journey in a funny and smooth way. It doesn't take much time up at all either, with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons. Try Babbel today by going to babbel.co.uk or download the app for free. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot C-O dot U-K or download the app to try for free. Babbel, learn a new language and make it your own. Now let's get back to that time when podcast. So the start eventually came around 45 minutes later where the cars set off again and they had 14 laps behind the safety car. 14! Yep. And that that is actually taking off the t- uh, the toll as well wasn't it it's taken off the, the lap counter yeah. yeah i remember it being one of those races a bit like was it fuji 20 uh, sorry um, 2007 yeah where they're just doing weber crashed yeah and th- that was another race where they were just doing constant laps behind the safety car just hoping that they might be able to go racing yeah and and this is this is when the uh what you were saying earlier matt about the mind games of team radio started beginning where Hamilton, of course, needed the points because he was fourth in the title at this point. Yeah. yeah. And he was he was very vocal on the radio saying, come on, it's fine. We can start. No problem. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to think, isn't it? And how much is actually genuinely honest from the drivers and how much is no, absolutely too much of a risk yeah. for me. So the race finally goes green after 14 laps and Vettel leads from Weber, Alonso, Rosberg and Hamilton. Uh, Rosberg getting himself stuck in there. Yeah. Yeah, he, was having good a good, he had a good year in 2010, did Rosberg. Yeah, so that was back before he was uh, given all the stick that he uh, currently does now, <laughs> even though he's a world champion. Uh, so massive championship drama. The second racing lap, which would have been, what, 19 laps into the race if you combine all the safety car laps we currently had. Uh, Weber spins and takes Rosberg out with him and the safety car is well and truly back out. So that that collision itself, was was there a little bit of a... Controversy. interesting controversy around it yeah yeah um it, w- it was a very odd crash i mean the corner he crashed out at was it was a s- slow right hand hairpin weber came out of it sort of dropped a wheel on the on the astroturf beyond the curb i think and then spun the across the track spin. 
yeah classic wet weather spin to the to the wall on the other side of the track and then he hit the wall but then instead of sort of stopping and slowing down his car sort of reversed back across the track to the other side and and took Rosberg out in the process. So it's like, why wasn't he braking or steering the other way? And, he had uh, full lock to the right as well. I watched he, it back and he is full lock to the right to essentially cut back across the track. Which is basically what you don't do in a crash. Um, it's kind of why Grosjean was slated for that one at Barcelona a few years ago where he just sort of floored it across the track to try and save it rather than, yeah. rather than going off track. So there was a suggestion that he was trying to maybe take out a, a title rival so maybe Alon- sort of- well alonso was right behind him so i yeah. guess the conspiracy theory was that weber knew he was in trouble thought alonso's getting at least 18 points over on me here wax yep. the steering wheel all the way to the right and hopes that he can take out alonso in the process which yeah i don't know if absolutely I believe- crazy crazy it's, I I don't personally buy it. I mean, no, I, I know these guys are, you know, they're they're competitive. They they want to win the championship, but my God, I mean, you know, especially Weber, who's you know at the tail end of his career, why would he try? Why would he risk such a thing where a car comes into your side pod? Like it's just yeah. not. And no, Weber not really doesn't seem like are... that kind of driver, does he? It, no, he's no. not. He's not. He's not that kind of driver at all. It doesn't no, seem in his not. nature. It must have just been that the, the steering was broken or something, and yeah. yeah. You know, yes, it was desperation to try and save it potentially, but I yeah, don't think it yeah. was ever. Let's try and cause an absolute pile up of cars to see if I can wipe out all the people behind me. Yeah, it just doesn't doesn't add up really. No, uh, especially for for Weber who had such a clean career. You could probably say in terms of no real black marks against his name for yep. stuff like that. No, I can't think of many really. No, no, he's. No, he's too. There are some drivers where you might think, "Oh, maybe, maybe," but no, not Weber. <laughs> Starting with Shu, ending in Macca. Oh, don't you dare! Shut <laughs> up. Don't talk about he Ralph have... like that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after that collision, the race continues, and Vettel leads from Alonso, uh, and there is another safety car when Buemi hits Glock. Uh, where Alonso then drops to third behind Hamilton after a slow stop, and then Hamilton runs wide at the restart. And Alonso gets back up to second. So it's it's a pretty tasty race right now. We've got a lot of things going on, a lot of changes in the championship fight. Yeah, it's um it was very tense, but I think it was one of those wet races where it's so wet that the racing isn't actually that good because they can't get close to a car behind because there's too much spray or it's too risky to really try and race. Yeah, it was more a carnage. It is more carnage than great wheel to wheel battles, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, because everyone immediately assumes wet race, oh my God, it's going to be a, an absolute worldie. And of course, we do have a lot of great, great wet races, but sometimes, for example, I still go back to this, Germany, the first half of Germany was last year was boring yeah. in a lot of senses. There, there wasn't much going on at all, but it's only because then the changeable conditions, people started going wide, that it all became absolute chaos. But before then, the first 20, 25 laps were dull. Yep. Yeah, wet races need to be changeable. That we we always say it needs to be a wet race, but realistically, it needs to be changing from wets to dries to inters, back to dries, back to inters, back to mm. wets. That they're the best races because it's that just produces the best racing. Absolutely. So we 
look towards the end of the race now. More championship drama as Alonso ramping up the pace and catching Vettel. And the track starts to get dark. So obviously, with, you know, there was no deployable headlights uh, at this stage. And there still isn't. Wonder if they'll ever do that. Do you reckon Formula One cars with, uh, with headlights? Do you reckon that'll ever come out? In my dreams. they could just flash at each other and then Vettel's engine with 10 laps to go fails unbelievable scenes yeah this is what drama this is another bit where the uh before Vettel's engine goes you've got the team radio drama again where perhaps unsurprisingly Vettel who's leading uh and it's 12 laps to go at this point because I watched it back and he is on the radio to his engineer saying it's way too dark to be racing i can't see the apex of turn one it's far too dark we need to stop the race pretty much and then you've got hamilton who's catching alonso and vettel saying it's fine it's fine and he's really adamant he's like it's absolutely fine come on let's go Yeah, when some of the drivers saying like that the lights on their steering wheel were dazzling them because they were so bright compared to like the outside conditions that's mad, isn't it? It's yeah. absolutely mad. We, what, to be fair, we can't really judge either purely because cameras always make it look so much lighter. Like, yeah, for example, yeah. Wimbledon for, as a as a quite a good example for that. They've always stopped, you know, when it gets dark, and you, you're watching them play tennis, and you go, well, "I can see this everything absolutely fine," but yeah. that's not how the human eye, if you were actually there, would look, right? Yeah, Rondo exactly. actually mentions it at one point. He says the uh he's talking about how misleading the camera is because the the lights actually come on in the commentary box because it's about quarter to six at this point in the evening and the lights come up on the commentary box and he's saying that you you cannot believe how dark it is that camera is not doing it justice at all (laughs) yeah this was that classic thing as well because this was around the time when bernie eccleston decided that all races in like in southeast asia and australia had to run as late as possible in the day so that everyone in europe could watch them at a reasonable time because apparently european fans matter the most and it affected loads of races at around that time where you know if there was any sort of delay then you know it could be race ending early sort of thing it was malaysia wasn't it that that era where yeah that there was a monsoon in Malaysia every single day at 4pm and Bernie <laughs> decided let's start the race at half three and then wonders why it always gets red flagged. Yeah. I mean, we had some fantastic races around there, so I'm not, I'm not complaining. <laughs> uh, I still miss Malaysia. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Great, Great track. track. So looking towards the finishing line, uh, well, I don't know why I said that so strangely. <laughs> uh, the track's now getting very dark and the end result was Alonso winning from Hamilton and then Massa and got got down here laughs on team radio i imagine that's alonso yep that's that's my my big memory of the race is it just sort of he crosses the line and then it just cuts to the team radio and it's just alonso doing this like maniacal laughter for quite a long time like he sort of can't believe what's happened and like can't believe his luck sort of thing i think they yeah, call yeah. it shit housing in football that's like what <laughs> alonso was kind of going for there just just like a smug laugh to to be i can't believe my luck my two major championship rivals have gone out of this race yeah uh it was a, a massive result for him as well because you know like we we're saying people had, different drivers were having different strong points throughout the year and aside from alonso winning the first race of the year he hadn't had that good a first half of the season and uh, i looked back and after silverstone he was 47 points behind the championship leader 
and then oh. seven races later took the top championship league with two races to go so it was like a mega comeback in the second half of the year and to suddenly go top of the championship and probably favorite for the championship with the momentum you know it was a, a massive point for him and his title campaign absolutely crazy as you mentioned yeah the title implications Alonso taking the championship lead for the first time since Australia Jensen Button only 12th which basically put him completely out of the title fight and no one really believed that with his current form he would have uh, challenged anyway and that was actually the first time as well that Weber lost the championship lead since Spa so as you say you know the moment the momentums with Alonso were anyone was anyone really thinking anyone else but him to take the title at this point well I, I think at this this was sort of seen at the time as as Vettel's last chance because he'd had a lot of reliability issues earlier in the year if he'd won that with Alonso second and Weber out you know he would have I think he would have taken the championship lead but with him out and an Alonso now a race win ahead of Vettel with two races to go, you know, that was probably seen as like, oh, well, Vettel's probably out of it. Um, yeah. Hamilton's just about in it. And it's seen between Alonso and Weber. Yeah, I remember, well, I think we mentioned it before that I was this was my Vettel fanboy era. And um, I remember being absolutely gutted at this because it really did feel like that was Vettel's chance to get in the championship with Weber out it was you know him him going for the championship and instead it 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 felt like it was it felt like it was over because i looked at i looked back at the points and after that race alonso was on 231 weber on 220 hamilton on 210 and vettel on 206 so he had to overturn a race win with two races to go and it seemed like that was it game over yeah it's interesting, actually, when, when you obviously look at it that way and if Vettel, and obviously this is ifs and buts, but just looking at, you know, maybe how the title would have unfolded if Vettel had won or, or scored at least a podium in that race, whether the the pressure would have ramped up more and maybe his performances in the last two wouldn't have been as good because obviously he was off the, the thinking at this point. He just was out gets, gets and, he, points, and yeah. he was, you know, and, and obviously he had two fantastic races after that, but... I I just wonder, you know, what what would have really happened had Vettel had that that lead and and maybe that that pressure of potentially winning his first ever title on his shoulders going into the last couple of races. Yeah, well, maybe he would have pitted at the same time in Abu Dhabi as Weber and Alonso and got stuck behind Petrov, like both of them, and maybe Hamilton would have won the championship. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I, I was think, thinking the same because yeah, the fact that that race in Abu Dhabi, the whole thing was that Ferrari didn't really consider Vettel as a rival because they thought he was out of it so they just went to cover Weber. so that race could have played out differently completely differently and it, just quickly on Alonso as well it has to you know you have to give him credit I mean that car that he somehow brought to the front of the championship the top of the championship with a couple of races to go I mean it was a dog wasn't it it was nowhere near the the speed of, of the Red Bulls and the McLarens for, for most of the for most of the the season, right? I've, I don't think it was as bad as some of his later cars. I think it wasn't as bad all... as twenty twelve. I think that was no. the most impressive. I think ironically one, but... of all the Ferraris, that was probably the best one he had. Um, and ironically, it was probably the year where he drove the worst actually at, at Ferrari. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, he did do a great job. I mean, Hockenheim twenty ten will always be controversial for the team orders thing. But I think Ferrari and Alonso were proved right considering how tight that title fight went um, to, to give him those extra points. Fair. Okay, so finally, let's just wrap it up then. So, do we miss the Korean Grand Prix? 
What do we think? Kind of. <laughs> yeah, I, I read down mind it there. a decent enough track. I think I, I, w- I wouldn't say I miss it, but it's certainly better than a few other tracks that have maybe stuck around a bit longer, like yep. Sochi and Abu Dhabi and stuff. I would, I do think the Korean Grand Prix was a better circuit and we might have had a few more interesting races. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, the, I guess the track, uh, the, the, the straight was so long that some from what I can remember anyway, the overtakes were done before the, the hairpin anyway. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but in terms of just the slipstream and going past them on that humongous straight into the hairpin, uh, was there many overtakes going into there? Yeah, I think that's where the main ones were. And then there was there was DRS on the straight afterwards, so I seem to remember they were either done yeah. way too early or then someone would overtake and then just get overtaken again on the next straight, so it was a bit pointless. So maybe with like more races there, it would have been refined a bit and maybe the, the mm. current gen of cars might have raced a bit better, but... But yeah, I think it was a, a decent track. It was kind of like, I like to think of it as if if Yas Marina was laid out properly, <laughs> you would it would have been very similar to Korea, but with better <laughs> racing. So, Yeah. Is, Korea was the one where a course car just decided yeah. <laughs> to join the race at some point in, in the middle of the pack, right? Oh, that was, that was hilarious, yeah. What year was that? 2010? I think it was, I think uh, sorry, it was, 2011 was it? I think it was the last year in 2013. Ah, okay. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah, that was hilarious. Just remember Brundle going, "What's that doing there?" As a as a course car is just driving down the, the main driving straight. down the main straight, and it's not even yellow flagged or safety car. <laughs> oh god, I remember that as well. Yeah. Mad, wasn't it? Right, that uh, pretty much sums up our that time when for this this week. God, it's the longest one we've ever done by quite some margins. So I hope you've you've enjoyed the content. Obviously, a lot to to talk about. Also, make sure you check out uh, our sponsor for this video, Babble. Uh, it'll be all the dis- links and descriptions will be below or wherever you're you're listening um make sure also to give us five stars on absolutely everything because we deserve it isn't that right guys of oh course. yeah yeah uh, and that's it thank you so much dan and tommy hope to see your beautiful faces in the next sort of six to 12 months and uh we'll see you soon see you soon goodbye good bovril bye, bye. good bovril bye bovril bye beefy basey bovril lockdown beefy bovril. basey bye 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 bye